Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Samuel, of Shmuel Aleph. We are up to chapter 18, that's Parak Yudches. And um, we had just learned of the story of, the famous story of David and Goliath. At this point, Shaul, Saul, is still the king. And David has now proven himself, David has now proven himself uh, by by being the one who killed Goliath, and um, and now the promise that Saul had made that whoever um, that whoever kills Goliath uh, will their family will be exempt from taxes and uh, he will be elevated to be the son-in-law of the king. Um, we'll see how that plays out and how that gets fulfilled in the upcoming chapters. Now we have been. Uh, emphasizing the sin of Saul. What was wrong? What was Saul's mistake? And we've demonstrated repeatedly that his mistake was that he never understood the real purpose and the meaning of ethical monotheism, so to speak. The idea that the entire uh, Tanakh, the entire Torah is here to inculcate within us. And that is is that God is not the same as um, um, the pagan gods. The pagan gods were worshipped in such a way that um, one would, would, uh, would appease them through rituals and so on in order to get what one desires from those gods. That sets up a dynamic between human and God, which is extremely different between... Uh, from the dynamic which gets set up between a person who believes in the true God and God. When one believes in the true God, one realizes and recognizes that what God wants from us is behavior, not ritual and sacrifice. What God wants from us is to live the way he asks us to live. The Saul constantly turned towards the carbonate, to the sacrifices, to the rituals, without ever getting an understanding that this God is not just another God that just happens to be bigger and more powerful than the others. Even if he understood that this is the one God and the others were false, getting to the idea of one God is only the first step along the way. Once it gets the idea to one God and one creator, then what one should ask oneself, what does that one creator want from me? And the answer should be, he wants me to live the way he wants me to live. He wants me to live with empathy and kindness and peace, etc. With Tzedek Umishpah. These were the messages we saw Samuel give to Saul. I'm emphasizing this now because it's going to be crucial to understand where Saul goes wrong. We're going to see, and I'm giving this away a little bit, a significant arrogance among uh, with Saul that... We, he started off with humility, and we're going to see him be arrogant and be unwilling and stubborn and unwilling to to recognize that it's time to pass over the baton to David. How is that related to the flaw that we just mentioned? The flaw which seems like a theological one. Well, it's actually very, very closely related, and as we've seen and as I've emphasized throughout this podcast many times, that arrogance is very closely connected with idol worship. And why is that true? Because that is true because once one recognizes that there's one God and that what he wants from us is behavior, the necessary 
result of that, when one puts that into his soul and thinks about that and recognizes that and makes that a part of himself, one is, by its very deepest definition, humble. One recognizes that I am a servant of God. I am here to, to do His bidding, to do what He wants. He is my Creator. He is the one who created this world. He created me. And my life is indebted to Him. And therefore, I must live the way He wants me to live. Regardless of what the result is, whether or not that results in smashing success in this world and wealth and power, or maybe it doesn't apparently on the outside surface result in great bounty towards me, to me, right? Worshiping God is not because suddenly I'm going to get rich and suddenly I'm going to get famous because now I worship God. If one thinks that by worshiping God, I'm worshiping Him in order to get tangible things on this world, then one missed the entire point. So someone who truly understands and gets the message that the Torah here is trying to teach, that Samuel was trying to teach Saul, which Saul would not get, then one becomes humble. However, if one looks at God as one would a pagan God, then the purpose and reason for worshiping that God is in order to get something from it. It is in order to get a power, wealth, etc. So when Saul sees success, he sees it as a necessary result. Oh, he must be worshiping God right. God must like him better, right? So I need to worship God better in order to get more. And if he sees himself going down, then he sees himself out of favor with God. This is the reason why that melancholy that overcame Saul was so, was so emphasized before. Because by not recognizing um, this important dynamic, by not becoming humble, by remaining arrogant, Saul is thinking, well, I worship God. I should get everything. Why am I not getting everything? Why is the prophet rejecting me? Why is he telling me that my kingdom is going to end? And we're going to watch this play out now as these next chapters unfold. We're going to see that crucial point where Saul has everything set up where he can graciously hand over the the um, baton of leadership to David, but he chooses not to because he is too arrogant, because he sees this as, as, as a failure of his relationship with God while he should be humble and just say, I have done my part. Now it's time to give over my, the, uh, the, uh, the leadership to David because that is what God wants. A humble person does God's bidding because it is God's bidding and for no other reason. An arrogant person only does God's bidding because he thinks that he's going to get something from it. So now, now we can understand how this gets set up. So let's study chapter 18 together. And it was when he finished L'Daber al-Shol speaking to Saul. So that David's conversation with Saul about Saul asking, who's your father, where do you come from, and so on. Um, uh, and David answered, I'm the son of Jesse, the son of Ishai. So now Saul knows which family has to get the tax exemption. Uh, the Nefesh Yehona's son and the soul of Jonathan, Nikshirah the Nefesh David, became tied, tied and bound to the soul of David. The two, Jonathan and David, became uh, very, very close beloved friends. And he loved him, Yehona's son. Jonathan did Kenafsho as himself. So there's a deep bond of friendship between David and Jonathan, which 
there's many reasons and many ways to look at the story, but I'm going to emphasize the fact that what this does is, Jonathan, of course, is the, um, is the heir apparent to Saul, right? This sets up a situation where it can make it extremely easy for Saul to graciously hand over the leadership next to David. Jonathan would easily, given this relationship, would easily have, have allowed for that. Um, so the, 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 the most obvious opponent to Saul's giving over the kingship to David would have been Jonathan. But here, the, the verses are telling us, the story is emphasizing that, that that option was extremely viable. Saul could have handed over the leadership to David because Jonathan and David had such a close relationship. And Saul took David into his household and did not allow him to return to his father's house. At this point, Saul is setting up a situation where David is becoming part of the royal household. And Jonathan and David um, made, a, made a pact and agreement with, with each other. As he loved him, as he loved himself. As a symbol of his friendship, Jonathan spread his cloak over David and he gave it to him as a gift. And he gave him his, his armor, his sword, his bow, and his, and his belt uh, to demonstrate his close friendship. And David then went out on every mission that Shaul sent him on Yaskil, he was successful. And Saul made him his, his, uh, his military commander. He placed him in charge of his, his uh, war, his, his, his soldiers. And the entire nation liked this idea. Everyone saw David for who he was as a great leader. Even in the eyes of those who were loyal to Saul, they saw David as a great leader. And at this point, we have a point where we can, Saul could graciously uh, uh, arrange for the transfer of leadership to David, which is what ultimately God would want. And unfortunately, Saul, as we'll see soon, will make a choice not to do that. And it was when they were coming back from battle, uh, when they were still battling the Philistines, um, all those battles that have been taking place, uh, the victories against the Philistines um, did not uh, subdue them completely. These battles are still taking place. And every time they would come back victorious from battle, and all of the women from all of the towns of Israel would come out to sing, uh, to welcome the troops back, and they would dance in circles to greet the king Saul, Bitupim uh, with um, these are instruments like cymbals, Bisimcha in happiness, and Bishali Shim, and in um, in uh, 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 chains of, uh, uh, of of dancers. And the women, in a responsive fashion, would sing this song, and they would say as follows. And this is a song that most likely uh, was a. Uh, a popular victory song in those days in those cultures, and um, and it uh, one of the stanzas read as follows: He kasha ul balafov, 
Saul has struck down in his thousands, David, and David has struck down in his tens of thousands. Now, there's several interpretations of what this means. Saul has struck down in his thousands. One is the bet here, the base, Balafav, could mean in his or with his. And how you translate that is important here because it could mean Saul has struck down with his thousands. In other words, Saul had thousands of soldiers with him. And David struck down with his tens of thousands, which would indicate that Saul's men are even more powerful than David's men because Saul has struck down with just thousands while David needed tens of thousands. However, another understanding is he has struck down <coughs> um, his thousands, meaning his thousands of victims, right? So he Saul has struck down only thousands, whereas David has struck down tens of thousands. Now, this um, would seem to be an insult to Saul. Now, remember, Saul is mentioned first and David second, Saul being the king and David being his general. However, one can interpret this in several ways. It could be a compliment to Saul, like we mentioned before, or it could be somewhat of an insult. Another thing is, even if it is praising David, a king with humility would recognize that when you praise my general, you're also praising me. Saul appointed David as general. David was working for him. So there shouldn't be a problem if someone compliments your general. However, you know, if, 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 if a general is successful in war and everyone compliments him, then the king or the president who appointed him should uh, take pride in that. However, Saul didn't see it that way. Saul was very angry about this. And here is where you understand why I you start understanding why I gave the introduction that I gave. Here is where a person without humility, a person that sees success as if that is a sign that God is on your side and failure. When I say success and failure, I mean success and failure. And it's very... Uh, human, very mundane, very superficial sense, what we see with our own eyes, right? Then Saul is now seeing that David is more successful than he, and David, for some reason, therefore, is more beloved by God than he, and therefore, this makes Saul very angry. And Saul became very angry. And this became something that was very bad in his eyes. He did not like this. And he said, David they gave David tens of thousands, presumably victims, or it could mean tens of thousands of people loyal to him. It's another way of interpreting that song. And I, they only gave the thousands. He starts to see all he wants now. All that, The only thing left for David now is the kingdom itself. Soon, that's what they're going to want to give to David. Which again, a humble person shouldn't have a problem with that. But a person that truly... Uh, understands and believes in God recognizes that that if that's what needs to happen then that's what needs to happen but Saul doesn't get it Saul thinks that his success um, uh, is, is paramount Saul thinks that he should be getting uh, the kingdom from God and that and and doing uh, you know and and doing God's bidding what doing what God wants is not the most important thing, but getting the benefit is what's the most important thing. And there, therein lies his mistake. From this point on, 
Saul was Oyen means he was eyeing David. He was looking at him with a jealous eye, looking at him in such a way, thinking, okay, let me see, you know, watching his next moves, watching how his popularity grows, watching how his success continues, and thinking, how am I going to take this guy down? So we have now laid the seeds of the epic um, <clears throat> uh, 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 fighting and disagreement and and uh, hatred for, of Saul towards David, um, which ultimately, uh, while he had everything he needed to graciously hand over the kingdom, instead it turned into a big mess, which is what's going to be the subject of the upcoming chapters. I'm going to stop here. This will be 18a. Look, thank you so much for studying 18a with me. Looking forward to finishing this chapter 18 together, and of course studying this entire book of Samuel together.